Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Savior Jesus Christ who gives us value. Dear Christian friends, how do you determine value? You ever thought about that before? What's something actually worth? Right? There's, the, there's this idea that this is worth whatever. You know, people throw around this person, this, this valuable thing is worth X number of dollars. Well, the only way to actually know that is to try to sell it. Because the only way you can determine what something is truly worth is what someone else is willing to pay for it or what it's worth to you. For instance, many of you know that my wife and I have been out car shopping recently. And I'll tell you what some of the salespeople thought a car was worth. It's not what we value to that. We get this, right? It, it, it's really all about what is it worth to you? What am I willing to pay? What is, what is this cost? What is the value to me? If you've ever watched a show like American Pickers or Pawn Stars or any of those kinds of things, you've seen this in action, right? Somebody, somebody has this item and somebody else wants it. And one person says, well, it's only valued at worth this much to me. And the other one says, but it's worth this much to me. And they have to try to find some kind of meeting point of that actual item's value. Now, this morning we're talking about finding value and determining worth, but we're really not talking about cars or antiques. We're talking about the value and the worth of you. What are you worth? What is the value of your life? And this is important because oftentimes, and we'll talk about this a little bit in a moment, we, we have others trying to tell us how much we are worth, right? Our, our boss tells us you're worth this much to the company. That's your pay, right? Um, there are different people who value us in different ways, but, and oftentimes we allow that to affect how we value ourselves. And there's a danger in that. And the danger is really the lie that we're talking about this morning. It's the first fill in the blank if you'd like to do that. The lie is that my worth or my value is determined by my performance. And if you remember, the big idea for this series that we've talked about in past weeks is that what I believe about something, my beliefs, it influences my attitude, and my behavior, right? And so if I believe this lie, if I believe that my value, my worth, comes from what I accomplish, well, that impacts what I believe about myself. And it changes how I think about myself, and therefore it flows really into all the rest of my life. See, what makes this difficult, though, is... This isn't a lie in the world we live in. We're taught this from very early on that this is how the world works. This is how society operates, right? When you're born, before you even know what's going on, they give you a test. It's an APGAR test. And based on how you perform, they say this child is doing well, this child's thriving, this child needs this kind of developmental help early on, right? From the very beginning of our lives, we're already being tested and evaluated for how we perform. 
And that doesn't stop, right? Kids learn very early playing sports that it's really not just about how many home runs they can hit or how many points they can score on the field or on the court, but how many home runs and points compared to others, right? It's not just about how well I help my team, but it's about how well I do compared to others. And then kids go to school, and they get tested in their reading abilities and tested in this, and they get moved up to this class or sent out for a little extra help. And the kids come home with this piece of paper that says A's and B's or C's and D's. And we sometimes make the mistake, instead of saying, wow, you earned an A or you earned a B, we say, oh, you're a B student. And all of a sudden now, their performance has defined their value. Doesn't stop though when we're kids, does it? You'd think maybe we'd learn, but actually we, we just ramp it up because we get to high school and sports and academics and extracurriculars, they're all about performance. And then you go to college and you get this transcript that says how you did in college that sticks with you for the rest of your life. And then you get a job. And when you meet somebody after you have a job, what are the two questions you, you exchange? Hi, what's your name? And what do you do? Why do we do that? In part, it's because we, have, we want to have something in, in connection, right? We want to find some common ground, something to talk about. But the other piece of it is there's a social norm that that fits into, right? Because it tells me something about you and about your value, your worth to our society based on what you do. If you say, I'm a doctor, or if you say, I'm a trash collector, society, at the very least, values those things differently. And when your occupation has a say in how you view yourself, how you are viewed by others, and what you are worth, well then, how successful you are, how hard you work, how much you get paid, all of those are then tied into your worth. It becomes about your performance, doesn't it? And that's a dangerous thing, because whether we've believed it or not, whether we recognize that we have believed this lie or not, we have all, to some extent, lived it. And here's why that's a dangerous thing. It's our, our first takeaway this morning, that the result of believing this lie leads to either pride or to a feeling of worthlessness, to feeling worthless. See, because here's what this looks like, and, and tell me if you've felt this way before. Things are going really well. Booming at work, just got a promotion, got an attaboy from the boss. Things are good at home. How are you feeling about yourself? Pretty good, right? In fact, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm pretty valuable, pretty special, pretty important. But then there's this other person who, they're not doing so well. And if they're not doing as well, well, because of this lie that my value comes from my performance, my performance pushes my value up. They aren't as important or as valuable or as special because their performance isn't as great. And this looks like and is sinful pride that looks down on 
others. I am better than you because of my performance. Or the flip side of that is the fact that things aren't going well. And it was a rough, rough day, bombed a test at school, just melted down on a project at work, and I'm worthless. And depression and despair kick in very quickly. Let me tell you a story to illustrate that. In 1986, there was a young lady who was seemingly on top of the world. She was an honors pre-med student. She had set the collegiate world record for the 10,000-meter run. She had gone to Indianapolis to run in the NCAA National Championship Track and Field Championship. She was expected to be the winner. She had everything going for her. She was beautiful and smart and exceedingly talented. And she lined up for the race, and very quickly you could tell that it wasn't like her record-setting day. She was a little off her, off her step. And she was running in second. And instead of finishing and accepting second place and saying, hey, I'm the second best this whole entire year out of all the runners in the entire country, she detoured off the track, ran three blocks, and jumped off a bridge because she believed the lie that her value, her worth, was determined by her performance, and she could not handle not being the best. I actually read this last week that uh, researchers are finding people engaging in less and less hobbies. And they had several reasons for that, one of them being that we just have less free time. But actually, their, their bigger reason was that people can't handle to fail. And when you try something new, and you try something for the first time, and you, you start, and you try, and you fail, right? You try it, and you fail, and you try it, you fail, and you figure it out as you go. But in our world today, people are less and less accepting of making mistakes and failing because if you believe that lie that your worth, your value is determined by your performance, if you fail, then you are a failure. See, we can see how this lie affects us emotionally, right? You know what's even worse? How it affects us spiritually. The Apostle Paul addresses that fact in our, our sermon text, uh, the Bible verses we're going to look at from Philippians 3. And he's addressing some people that he knew he had shared with them the message of Jesus that, that it's by grace alone, by faith alone, that we are saved. And then there were some other people who came in after Paul left and said, yeah, that sounds really good. But if you want to be a good Christian, then you need to check certain boxes. You need to, to do certain things. You need to be circumcised, like Moses said in the Old Testament. And you need to monitor how many calories you expend on a Sabbath day so that you don't over exceed an exercise limit. And you certainly can't eat pork chops and definitely no bacon. There were all, uh, this list of things that if you wanted to be a, a good Christian that you had to also add to. And Paul said, guys, that's not the way it works. Because anytime you add to that you have to do something when it comes to what God has done for you, now you are basing your salvation, your forgiveness, your relationship with God on your 
performance, whether you mean to or not. And so Paul responds to the thinking of those false teachers, the people who are buying into that train of thought, and to us today who get sucked into the idea that my worth is determined by my performance. And he begins in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, well, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. See, Paul's pointing to his spiritual credentials. He's got this stat book. Hey, you guys think you got it good. Oh, if I pulled out the baseball card, right, the, the Bible card with Paul on it, he, his stats would crush yours. Because look what he says. He says, hey, you think that, that performance is what makes you good? Well, look at mine. I've, I've got more than you. My, my parents had me circumcised on the eighth day. Not the ninth day because we were busy. Not the tenth day because, well, we just we didn't feel like it. His parents were faithful, Bible-believing, Old Testament Jews. He wasn't converted into Judaism either. He wasn't a Gentile convert. Oh, no, no. He was of the people of Israel. He was born into God's Old Testament nation, right? And he was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a, a tri of the tribe of Benjamin. See, he wasn't one of those northern tribes. No, no, no. There were only two that were a part of Judah. It was Judah and Benjamin, and he is from that. He could trace his family history back to Israel, back to Jacob himself, back to Abraham, the father of all believers, right? That's what the Bible calls him. He's got, he's got more reason than you do, genealogically, and now look at his, his life. He says, in regard to the law, yeah, I'm a Pharisee, right? You guys, you've got this little core nucleus of commands that God says to do and not to do. <laughs> oh, let me take those 10 and multiply it by about 5 or 50 and add layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of law, and on, outwardly speaking, it sure looked like he did pretty well keeping them. And when it came to how energetically, how passionately, how zealously he lived his faith, it wasn't just some, you know, punch the clock and say the words on Sunday morning and then go and be a, a regular Joe during the rest of the week. Oh, no. No, Paul was looking for people who who did not believe what he believed, in fact, who were going against the Old Testament, it, at least that's what he thought, and he was looking for them, and he was finding them, and he was throwing them in jail or worse. He was not going to stand for people who didn't believe what he believed. And so if the standard of, of faith was genealogy and passion and passionate performance, Paul's got you beat every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Or put it in modern church terms. If you think that you've got a special in with God, because, hey, I was raised in the church. I've been a member my whole life. I, was, I went to Sunday school all through my kid, right, kid years. I was confirmed I've been, I've been going to church every Sunday. Yep. I give of my time. 
I'm, I'm, I'm helpful, I serve, I volunteer, I give generously in my offerings. I'm even part of a mission church, right? We're reaching out to people. Boy, God sure is lucky to have me on his team, isn't he? You too. Because it sure is easy to think that, isn't it? God, look at how good I've been doing at being a Christian. Look at how good I've been doing at being one of your followers. Hey, hey God, I'm pretty valuable to you, aren't I? That might be true if our value to God was based on our performance. But it's not. Or it's possible that the flip side is true. That as you look at your life and you look back through the the days gone by and you see failure after failure after failure to live up to God's standard, to live for the glory of God and all you see is just a mess and that you are not worthy to be on God's team at all. See, there's the, the danger in this lie. It it's either leads us into pride or feeling worthless, and it threatens our faith because it really makes my relationship with God all about my performance. And here's why this is so dangerous. All lies trap us. But this lie, if you believe it, will trap you not only for today and not only for tomorrow, but if you're not careful, it will trap you for eternity. Because God wants us to understand what Paul understood. Paul listed his religious credentials because he said, hey, I learned the hard way, guys. I want you to learn. I want you to understand what I understood. I want you to find what I found. Because if you read through the Um, Acts chapter 9, as Paul is on his way to go arrest and find and root out more Christians in Damascus, Jesus himself appeared to him, literally knocked him off his donkey. And this man who stood and was so sure of his value because of his performance, he was so proud of his accomplishments and his passion and his zeal in his faith that he laid there trembling before God. Because he understood two things. He understood, one, first of all, no matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he accomplished, it still fell short of what God expects, what God demands. But the other thing he realized is that when you try to base your relationship with God on your performance, you're actually working against God. Paul learned that. And he wants you and me to learn that as well. That's why he lists his credentials. And then he goes on to explain, guys, whether you think you are great in God's sight because you are this Christian of Christians, right? You look so good on the outside. Or whether you think you are worthless to God because you have failed and failed and failed. He wants you to know something that he learned. And it's our third takeaway this morning. That you and I cannot earn God's love. You cannot earn God's acceptance. You cannot get more or less worth or value in God's sight because of what you do. Because God has already given it to you as a gift. That's what Paul goes on to explain so beautifully in the next verses of our text. He says, 
but whatever were gains to me, right? All of those things that he had accomplished, all of those, those credentials that made him, wow, impressive, humanly speaking. He says, whatever those were those gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness, a perfection, a hey, look at me of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. See, Paul says, everything that I accomplished, it's worth less. All those things that I thought were so grand, were so valuable, were so special, and made me so special, in God's sight, they're worth less. Not because there's no point in them, not because we shouldn't even bother, but because they don't make me someone, something before God. That has nothing to do, I, I, all of the accomplishments that you can possibly accomplish in this life will not remove one of your sins will not give you one tiny bit of eternal peace, will not make your relationship with God right. And Paul learned that, and he says, I want you, dear friends in Philippi, and you, dear friends here today, to know that too. That there is something that makes all of those accomplishments, it's okay to say that they're worthless. Because you've got something so much better, so much more valuable, so much more precious that makes you valuable and precious. And that's Jesus. You have from him what you can never get on your own. You have from him everything that you need. You have this righteousness, this perfection, right? We want everyone to think we're so great and so good and so perfect and so all these things. And we can't. We put on a show, but we fail. But he says, it's okay. God knows you as you really are, but you know what he says to you? It's not because of your righteousness, not because of your accomplishness, not because of your performance, but because of, of Jesus. Because he lived the perfect life in your place, and now he says, my dear child, come here and let me wrap my perfection around you by faith. I've taken all of your failures, all of your, all of your messes, I've taken them all away and paid for them all. In fact, Paul says the, the term he uses there, he says, it's, I consider all the things that I accomplished garbage, right? They're a loss. They're worth nothing to me. The term he actually uses is the, the vilest stuff you'd shovel out of a barn or pump out of a septic tank. He says, that, that's how useless they are to me when it comes to my relationship with God because everything I have, the surpassing greatness of Jesus all of my accomplishments are like that junk. See, Paul instead knew what, where his treasure came from. It comes from the righteousness that comes by faith, the righteousness of Jesus. He had learned that his confidence 
had no business being in himself, in what he, in what he accomplished, in what he performed at, but instead it was all because of his Savior. And dear friends, I want you to not only know this, because here's the danger with just knowing. I know that my worth doesn't come from my performance. As Christians, we've all heard this before, I, I think, right? If you've gone through our Faith Builders class, if you've been here almost any other Sunday, you've heard that it is by grace we are saved apart from what we do, right? It is not our performance, not our works. And yet, the devil does not stop whispering in your ear, you are so good. God is so lucky to have you on his team. Wow, good job. And he also doesn't stop whispering in your ear, I can't believe you did that. You are worthless. You don't even deserve to be on God's team. See, we can know it, but it's going to be a daily struggle against the lie that the liar tells us. Because he wants us to think that our relationship with God is based on our performance rather than on our Savior. And so here's what Paul says. Know that you are a child of God. Not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus did for you. Every single day, I pray that you wake up and you say, Lord, I'm your child because you chose me, because you washed me and you named me and you claimed me and you announced it at my baptism. And you said, this is my child whom I love. I pray that every day you wake up and you know that it's not about how well you do that gives you true value, that makes you a lasting and worthy part of God's kingdom. It's because he loves you. And he loves you because he loves you. Not because he doesn't love you because of how well you do or how poorly you do. He loves you because he loves you. And it's hard for us to grasp that. And yet he says that's the truth. And that's why Paul says, I want you to know this and trust this and live in this. Because it's that truth, the truth of God's word that sets you free. Free from the lie that my relationship with God is all about my performance. I remember an argument my kids had a few years ago. Argument, conversation. One of them found a penny in the parking lot and thought it was like the most valuable thing in the world. She's waving it around, I found a penny, I found a penny, like she had won the lottery. And another one, her big sister, said, oh yeah, well the tooth fairy just left me four quarters. Now we kind of snicker because as adults, we know that whether it's a penny or a dollar, that really isn't a tremendously valuable amount, right? Kind of the way we sometimes brag about the things that we do Hey, God, look at this. Hey, look at all of my accomplishments. Look at my performance. Remember what I did. Look at how great I am. And God says, that's like a penny compared to the eternal spiritual riches that God has given to you by faith, the eternal riches of Jesus, your Savior. So if you're going to brag, don't brag about what I did. Don't brag about what you did. Brag about what Jesus did. Brag about your Savior who doesn't judge us based on what we do, but instead credits us with what he did. Don't boast that you have accomplished so much, but boast in a Savior who says, I love you, no matter what you accomplish. 
See, because the beauty of knowing the truth is that it frees us from this lie. It's our last takeaway this morning. That my feelings of being worthless or of sinful pride, they go away when I see that my value is not from my performance, but from Jesus, from his life, from his death, from his resurrection. And dear friends, I pray that you find that today and that you cling to that and live in that every day that you know you are priceless because of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.